Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. Romeo Dubs is catching on faster than anyone imagined. It was expected the Packers' rookie receiver would need some time to get acclimated to the NFL. But Dubs has made a rather seamless transition from college to the pros and has already given the Packers' suspect receiving core a big shot in the arm. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another fun-filled Packer podcast. Hello, my friend. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Pretty good. I, I can't complain. I mean, I can complain about my golf game, but I don't think you or anybody else cares to hear about that. <laughs> you know what, Gary? Here's what I've realized with golf through the years. If, if you're playing golf, there's nothing to complain about, right? Oh, exactly. Because I, I just love being on the course. I mean, I could shoot yep. 200 and it would still be enjoyable. You could be doing yard work. You could have the honey-do list. And there's about 400 things I could outline that are worse than going out and shooting 96 or something, right? So Exactly. By the way, have you ever gotten a hole-in-one? No, I hit a flag a couple different times, but it didn't It didn't drop. You know what I mean? It, it stuck within two, three feet then for bird, but no holes-in-one. My, my daughter's a golfer right now at Sussex Hamilton, and uh, one of her teammates made a hole-in-one last week, which was remarkable. No so, kidding. Yeah, seventeen-year-old well, girl. So maybe I got maybe I got to go get lessons from her, Gary. Well, you know, Rob, when I was uh, in seventh grade, I was playing at the uh, world-renowned Shelton Hickory Hills Country Club. Have okay, you have you heard of it? <laughs> I, I have not. Yeah. So world-renowned, maybe slightly of an exaggeration, right? Oh yeah, very much. Okay. so. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> actually, it's a really nice course. Uh, yeah, just south of. Uh, Appleton near Chilton. So I hit my shot and I'm, I come up maybe about four or five inches from the cup. Right. And I, and I kind of brushed off and I said to myself, I ah, had no big deal. You know, you'll get one eventually, you know, it's pretty easy. Right. 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 A hundred years later, I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the odds are astronomical. I, you know, I, at various outings and stuff like that through the years, Gary, I've won closest to the pins a few different times you know, on, on some of those par threes, but never, but never knocked it in the cup. So there you go. Uh, that, 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 that'll be a goal here as we hit the home stretch of life. I like that. Hey, uh, Rob, I know a lot of people liked what they saw in training camp and preseason with Romeo dubs, but uh, let's face it, training camp and preseason aren't the regular season, the two different animals, but just after three regular season games, dubs definitely looks like the real deal. Yeah, I mean, and and maybe we'll look back someday, Gary, and say Sunday was his coming out party, right, with the eight catches for 70-some-odd yards and his first career touchdown. I, I think a lot of people were worried when both Watkins, who went on IR, and, and Watson, who couldn't play, you know, both with the hamstring injuries, weren't going to be available going down to Tampa, Gary. I mean, it really left Green Bay – I mean, let's be honest, it left him with four wide receivers. Amari Rogers is on the roster, but he's, I, I don't think he's viewed as a wide receiver these days, right? So it leaves them with Lazar, Dubs, Cobb, and Winfrey. You know, and Winfrey, a guy they keep bouncing around from the from the roster to the practice squad, back to the roster, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, no, um, 
you know, Gary Dubs was huge in that football game, that, that first drive, three catches for 35 yards and, and the touchdown, he finished Gary playing 55 snaps out of a possible 62. So he played almost 90% of the snaps in that game. I mean, I, Hey, if, 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 and when Sammy Watkins comes back, if, and if, and when Christian Watson gets up to speed, Gary, they're not passing this kid. Um, Romeo dubs, I think is here to stay. He's going to be almost impossible. I would say at this point, Gary, to get out of the lineup for one of these guys to kind of dislodge from the starting group and, and get a spot back. I, I, I think for the next six, eight weeks, at least Gary, their, their top three are going to be dubs, Lazard and Cobb barring injury. And, you know, maybe the other rookie Watson has a chance to work his way in there at some point in time. You mentioned it, Gary dubs was really good through the course of the summer. He had some problems late in camp with some drops, but you know, he, he did kind of steal the show early in camp and was making a highlight play almost every single day and caught the attention of Rogers. But, but you and I even talked about it on this podcast and, 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 and I know I, I wrote about it and several others did at, at various times, you know, it is just training camp, right? It's, it's the summer you're working against corners that, you know, aren't on football teams today. They're, you know, they're working at best buy or something like that, or trying to find a way back to the league. You kind of take a lot of that with a grain of salt, but when you go out there, Gary, and do what he did, against, I mean, let, let, let's be honest, that's a top three, four defense in football. I, I mean, I think the, without question right now, the best defenses are, are Green Bay's, Tampa's, San Francisco's, Phillies, you know, may, maybe a Denver, I mean, but in no question, Tampa's in that top two or three, they're in that discussion. And, and for Dubs to kind of make a move and make a mark against those guys, Gary, was, was remarkably impressive. Now, they did slow him down and take him away a little bit in the second half. When, when the offense absolutely stumbled. But when, when, when Green Bay was sharp early, Gary, when, when they scored enough points to win the football game, which was really their first two drives, Dubs was unbelievably huge and instrumental in that. And like I said, if he can do that against Tampa Bay as, as the schedule kind of softens up here in the, in, in the next month, um, and he sees a lot of secondaries coming up here that, that aren't nearly as good jets, giants, Redskins, or I call them Redskins commander. Sorry. But some of these teams coming up on the schedule New England, obviously on Sunday uh, dubs, dubs has a chance Gary to, to start putting up really solid numbers. I, again, I, I don't think green Bay has a number one wide receiver on the roster for 2022, but he looks like a guy that could be a number one down the road. Absolutely. Rob, he had uh, eight catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. And uh, I don't know if you ever had the pleasure to meet Jerry Tapp, but uh, he writes for Wolfel's Press Box and, and he's a stats guru. Yeah. Every week he comes up with some amazing stat. Well, get this. Monday, he wrote a blog for the website. And did you realize Dubs is just the third receiver? rookie receiver in Packers history to put up those numbers. I mean, in the history of the Packers, only two other guys have done that. And uh, both of them were born before I was born. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely remarkable. One is the infamous Max McGee in 1954, okay? And then are we talking Billy Houghton probably? You are correct. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, it, it just speaks volumes of what type of game he had. And, and you think of – some of the receivers the Packers have had over the years. I mean, Sterling Sharp was a high first-round pick. James Lofton was a high first-round pick. And uh, for Dubs to come out and put up the numbers that he did is, is just amazing. 
Javon Walker was a one. And then you think of this great runner receivers, Gary, they've had the last 20 years, right? The Devontae's, um, the Jordy Nelson's, the Greg Jennings, who have, who have all gone to pro bowls. It took Donald driver a couple of years to get going, you know, but he was a multiple time pro bowl wide receiver too. No. So, so you're absolutely right. The, the difference I would say between dubs though, right now, and some of those guys I just outlined from, you know, the last 25 years, let's say the, the, the studs that played with, with Favre and, and then later on Rogers is green Bay, a thousand percent needs one of these rookies, whether it was going to be dubs or Watson to, to, to have this kind of impact. And, and it looks like it's going to be dubs uh, right now, just because of the fact the rest of that wide receiver room was, was rather thin and, and largely depleted. When you, when you kind of go back 10, 15, 20, 25 years, Gary, that, that, that when green Bay brought in a, a high level rookie, like they did, for example, let's just say with Jordy Nelson, Driver and Jennings were already sitting there as established players, right? Same thing when they brought in a James Jones, when they brought in a Randall Cobb, all these guys were, were proven commodities. You know, Dubs has an opportunity here, Gary. Like I said, his snap count is going to stay really high. Um, you know, 55 out of 62 snaps last week, he was only off the field, seven, seven snaps. And I, and I think that that's going to continue. Um, obviously, Sammy Watkins isn't coming back anytime soon. Uh, the, they'll, they'll baby Christian Watson and, and let him take his time getting back to the field because I think they proved last week they could go and win a football game with, with the group of wide receivers that they have. But it's going to mean a lot of opportunities, you know, for Lazard, Gary, who, who played the most snaps last week of the wide receiver group, he played 56. It's going to mean a ton of work for dubs and then, you know, more periodical work for, for Cobb and Winfrey, and they'll get the tight ends far more involved. I mean, Tunyon had, you know, Tunyon was on the field last week, Gary, 60% of the snaps. He was 36 out of 62. And then, you know, that, that, that was his highest workload of the year. And I think we've touched on that on this, on this show a couple different times. It's we're on the brink here of, of a Robert Tunyon six, seven, eight catch game coming up. And, and you could see that maybe Sunday against the Patriots, but just back specifically to dubs, Gary, I, he's already exceeded all expectations. You don't, you don't think you're going to get this out of a fourth round pick. Uh, not this quick, not this early, you know, the encouraging thing, Gary, for green Bay's offense. And I've said this, you know, the past couple of years on the, on the show, you know, I thought by the time they hit, let's say the third or fourth quarter of the regular season and got to the playoffs, I had kind of thought they had almost maxed out with some of their talent on, on that side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. And when you look at them right now, how young they are, especially at these skill positions and they're figuring things out at the running back group, even with a third year guy like AJ Dillon um, and just how dominant those running backs can be. But if these two young rookie wide receivers, Gary continue to ascend through the regular season, you know, green Bay is only averaging 16 points a game right now. And, and fans are freaking out about that and, and bemoaning the fact the offense isn't, um, you know, what, what it is they're, they're used to seeing. But, Gary, they're 2-1, and one, and they're winning football games, I think, kind of the way they expected to when they traded Devontae and then used two first-round picks on defensive players. They knew it was going to be ugly early on. Mm-hmm. Where I'm going with that is by the time we get to no- November and December, I still think that defense is going to be, you know, a top-five defense in football, Gary. And the offense, which ranks 27th in the league right now in points, 
is going to be trending upward. As we get to the second half of the season and as we get to the playoffs, that offense has a chance, Gary, to, to really start clicking as Rodgers you know, gets a full season with, with these young guys. So it could actually, for the first time in a while, Gary, be beneficial to Green Bay when they, when they get to the postseason that they could be an offense on the rise rather than one that's maybe a little bit stuck in the mud. You've seen Dubs a lot, of course. Um, is there anything that really stands out about him? I mean, he's got good size. He's got good hands. He seems to write really good routes, say roots routes, for a rookie. But what, what's the one thing in your mind that stands out? What, what's really caught your eye about him? The, the absolute last thing you said, Gary, his route running. The term route tree is used a lot. And, for example, you know, MVS, who Green Bay had for four years and, and let him go to Kansas City this offseason, never could run the full route tree. It's, you know, and, and, and for those out there, what, you know, what that means is, you know, all, all of the routes in, inside the playbook. There, there's a bevy of routes that coaches want wide receivers to, to go out and run. And, and some guys are kind of one or two trick ponies, Gary, you know, they're, they're blazers and they can just beat people deep and go down the field or, or maybe they excel in, you know, shallow crossers or slants or whatever it is. Dubs much like a Greg Jennings, who was brilliant at this right from the time he showed up, Gary, Greg Jennings was a terrific route runner from the second, you know, he, he came out of Western Michigan and stepped into, you know, the Packer locker room. And, and that's what put him on the field immediately as a rookie is that, is that he had that full route tree right away. And, and dubs is similar Gary. And, and not only that, you know, his 40 time was relatively average. I want to say it was like four five, two or something like that, which is fine. It's not great. But Gary, with the, when, when he has the ball in his hands, he, he is really explosive. And, the, and there are some guys who just play faster than they timed. I mean, Antonio Freeman was one of those guys. He was a 4-6 guy, and you got the ball in Freeman's hands, and you thought he was a 4-3-5 guy. Jerry Rice was one of those guys. You know, Gary, he, he was a 4-6 guy. Um, you know, I know. I'm always, I'm always baffled when I hear that. I, I, I saw that crazy? Rice, I yeah. saw Rice play in person a couple times, and I go, 4-6? I mean – <laughs> no, somebody mistimed that dude. He wasn't four six. You would you would think. I mean, there are just players, though, Gary, that play a lot faster than what yes. they time. And and yes. and dubs would, like I said, with with the ball in his hands and, and his explosiveness, it, he just looks different than a Lazard, than a than a Sammy Watkins, than a Cobb, you know, some of these older guys on the roster. Now he's he's never gonna run quite like Christian Watson runs. I mean, Green Bay's Green Bay set here for speed at, with these young wide receivers here for a while, but you know, Dubs has a, another gear Gary that, that some guys don't have. So the combination that, that he works incredibly hard, Gary, for a rookie, I, th- I think he's, you know, he, he's got a, a greater handle on the playbook than a lot of first year players do. And the fact he can run the route tree as well as he does. And then his explosiveness is so good. You're looking at a guy, Gary, and, and I, I don't want to go crazy yet, you know, but I, I think over the last 20 years or something like that, we're, we're looking at, I'd have to look it up again, but I think James Jones caught about 50 balls as a rookie. And, and that that's the most in several years, you know, cause Jennings got hurt. Uh, he was on pace to probably have 70 or something like that, his rookie year, Gary, but, but he got dinged up that year. If dubs can stay on the field, Gary with 17 games. I mean, it's only four catches a game these days that puts you at 70, I, th- I think that's very realistic that he can that he can get in the range of, of 70 receptions when when the season is all said and done. And, 
my God, if, if you would have told anybody the day they, they took Romeo dubs in, in round four, that, you know, he could put up those kind of numbers and he might be the closest thing green Bay has this year to a number one wide receiver. I, I don't, I don't think any of us would have taken that bet Gary. Yeah. You know what? Uh, when, when he was drafted in the fourth round, I, t- I texted a, a guy, you know, a longtime scout. And I asked him, you know, what he thought of the um, pick. And Rob, I, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I heard very, very little about dubs going into the draft. I mean, and this was a good wide receiving core class, but dubs was hardly mentioned. So anyways, I asked this guy, you know, his, his opinion of dubs. And the first words were great pick. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, we'll wait and see. But, uh, you know, he obviously showed some people something at Nevada. The one thing that stands out to me about dubs, I mean, all of those things that we brought up are accurate. But I like his physicality. Uh, he, he came across the middle on a couple passes, and he wasn't afraid to mix it up. I mean, he ran hard. He ran into people and tried to break tackles. And um, he, he's not Debo, but, man, I'll tell you, that impressed me, especially for a rookie because rookies – you know, after they get hit a couple of times, kind of shy away from the contact, but uh, he didn't do that at all. 6'2", 205, Gary. I mean, he, he is built, you know, for those crossers and routes where he can go across the middle, where a guy like Watson might not be um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, longevity and prolonging his career. Um, I did just look it up. Dubs was four four seven, so I, I don't want to shortchange him. I thought he was four five two. So good for Romeo. He's a, he's a little faster even than I thought. But yeah, Gary, you're exactly right. I mean, he's put together already physically as a 22 year old man, and and he'll only get bigger and stronger here when you know he gets he gets an off season with with the Packer people that say let's put let's put 10 pounds on you or let's reshape this part of your body or or this or that. No, you're. You're exactly right. There, there's not a lot right now. I would say this kid cannot do, and and he's only going to keep getting better and better. Green Bay, obviously, right now is is centering its offense on those two running backs, and rightfully so. It makes sense. They're probably the best two skill position players after the quarterback on the football team. But it wouldn't surprise me, Gary, in a, in a month if you start seeing Romeo getting eight, 10 targets a game where we look back and we say the Tampa Bay game was not an aberration that, that almost was the, again, the coming out party and the start of something special here with, with dubs, because number one, I, I think he's that gifted. And, and number two, there's just not a lot of other great options on the roster. So, um, you know, he's going to have to adjust teams are eventually going to start, you know, and Tampa did right. this the other day, Gary, they will start scheming and, and, you know, maybe roll a safety to his side or, or do some things to try to take him away a little bit as they recognize that maybe he is, you know, maybe number 87 is, is the number, the number one option now in the, in the passer uh, Packer passing game, not Alan Lazard or, you know, not Tunyon or, or whatever, but boy, Gary, you know, I'm you're, you're spot on what this kid did on Sunday and, and, and what his future looks like is, is remarkably, remarkably impressive. You know, this as well as anyone in the last three years, there's just been a plethora of great wide receivers coming into the draft. And, and this year was no different. You look at Garrett Wilson of the Jets. He's got 18 catches already. Alavi, my guy, uh, has 17 catches. Uh, Drake London has 16. We just got done talking about dubs. It, it, it's just incredible how good these receivers are now coming out of college. 
Gary, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. Justin Jefferson, who's kind of the benchmark of, to me, of, of gifted young wide receivers, right. In Minnesota is, you know, broken almost every possible record for, you know, the first two years in the league, you saw chase do that last year as a rookie right away in Cincinnati. I mean, how about a Monroe St. Brown, right. Yes. In, in Detroit, yeah, absolutely. Who, who doesn't, who doesn't get a whole lot of, you know, love and talk and hype and much like dubs, Gary, he was a fourth round guy, right? He, he was pick, I think one twelve. St. Brown was, mm-hmm. um, I got to go back and look exactly where, where dubs was, but I'm sure he was right in that range. So, so St. Brown's a fourth round guy, chase and Jefferson, you, you expected a little bit, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, chase, I think was the fifth or sixth pick in that draft. Jefferson went around 20, in, in his particular draft. And again, Gary, it, it, it all stems back to what high schools are doing today, right? 20, 30, 40 years ago, you'd have a high school football game, Gary, end in an hour and 50 minutes because both sides had 55 plays and they ran the ball 50 times. And today, if, you know, if you go down in your neck of the woods and, and watch Bradford play Tremper, or you go to any game really around the state, you're going to see the ball from both sides being put in the air 25, 30 times at least. And these games go three hours now. And, and these quarterbacks and these wide receivers are far more skilled and get far more work at a, at a young age. So they're in passing camps, Gary, already at 13, 14 years old, the wide receivers already. No, here's the other thing, Gary, nobody wants to play running back anymore yeah. as, as a teenage kid. They, they just did, you know, they look at the longevity and, and they look, uh, you know, at the league and, and very few running backs get second contracts, right? Wide receivers do running backs. They just, they just churn them out and they bring in the next guy at all these NFL stops. So everybody, you know, from high school to, to, to college wants to play wide receiver. If they've got a skill set, Gary, that, that kind of fits that. And, you know, so the, the, these kids are being trained at a far younger, a younger age than they were a generation ago to go and excel in some of this kind of stuff. You watch the college game, Gary, and it's, it's spread offenses everywhere and everybody's chucking the ball all over the field except Paul Christ and Madison, I guess. Um, <laughs> but we, we could do a whole nother podcast on that, Gary. These must be really tough times for uh, <laughs> a, a UW alum like you. <laughs> they're not fun. They're, they're, they're not fun. I mean, I mean, Gary, when I'm putting a game off these days in the third quarter, right. That just, yeah. and I'm usually a guy who watches the games multiple times, not uh, Saturday night, obviously, but back to your point, the, these wide receivers now are you, Gary. You remember when Randy Moss was the aberration, he showed up and he had 17, 18 touchdowns, whatever it was as a yeah. rookie. And he made Ron Wolf completely change how he drafted and, and Wolf came back the next year and took cornerbacks in rounds one, two, and three. I won't say that's the norm now, but you get three, four, five of those guys every single year that can step into an offense now in the National Football League and catch 50, 60, 80 balls right out of the chute. And when we start talking Jeff, guys like Jefferson, Chase, St. Brown, you're, you're talking guys that can catch almost 100 balls right away. Um, Dubs isn't going to get there, Gary. I think that would that, that's not how Green Bay is going to play football this year. And, and I, I don't know yet. That, that, you know, it, it's fair to say he's even close to the level of some of the guys we're talking about. He's He's got to prove it here now for a couple of months. He had one outstanding football game. But there are guys like him and there are guys like like the ones we've talked about who just who enter the league now, Gary, and they're, they're just ready to roll. And you again, you didn't see that 20, 30, 40 years ago. And that and, and that's one of the biggest changes we have in in modern football today is that these rookie wide receivers just, are just ready to roll. Rob, who would have thought that we would have spent like 25, 30 minutes of a podcast in week four talking about Romeo Dubs? 
I mean, I mean, I would have bet my life savings, which isn't very much, but uh, you know that we that we would never talk about that dude for this long time. But well deserved. I mean, yeah, like, good for him. Yeah, yep. yeah, impressive as Dubs has been, and uh, what a welcome addition he's been. The the same can't be said for Sammy Watkins. Um, you know, I didn't have any problems at all that the Packers went out and signed him. They, they rolled the dice, obviously, on him. But, uh, you know, in two of the last four seasons, he had never played more than 10 games, 10 games. So you knew what you were getting when you signed him. And uh, surprise, surprise, he is now, you know, sidelined. And uh, who knows what he's going to do the rest of the year. But it's really unfortunate because, I, I mean, to me, the Packers should have pursued someone else, Jarvis Landry in particular. But uh, they didn't. And well, what's your thoughts on the uh, Watkins signing? Well, again, it, l- let's see how long this injury plays out. But you are a thousand percent correct when you say the Packers knew what they were getting, you know, coming into this. Not only Gary has he been incredibly injury prone, you know, the last couple of years, but I mean, I talked to scouts after the signing that also just said, you know, he's on the downslope and he's not the same guy Buffalo used the fourth pick in the draft on back in 2014, which of course was the year Green Bay took Devontae Adams as well. So a lot of scouts, Gary, thought the injuries had taken their toll. Even Sammy Watkins, you know, said he was sitting at home and he thought his career was over when Green Bay called, that he wasn't expecting maybe to be on an NFL roster this, this particular season. But the injuries have piled up, Gary. You know, it's you know, he broke a bone in his foot in, in 2016, you know, LaFleur hooked up with him for a, for a year with the Rams. And, you know, he was dinged there. He, he was dinged in Kansas city. He was, he was dinged in, in Baltimore, the, you know, the last few years, I, I think the number Gary coming into the year was, you know, he hadn't played a full season since his rookie year, which was 2014. And I, I think like out of a, you know, 128 possible career games is, you know, he, he had missed somewhere in the thirties, you know, so he, he had missed over a quarter of, of the games and, and most of those piled up here in, in the last couple of years. So I, I will say this, Gary, that when, when, when Green Bay traded Devonte and they were dealing with a lot of cap issues and some of the wide receivers flew off the board in free agency, the, the remaining group of free agents was pretty unsavory. It, it was not a, a real impressive group of people to go throw a lot of money at for a team that's cash strapped or they're not cash strapped, but they were salary cap strapped, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Packers back in March and April. And then when they were trying to get all this figured out and how to bring back, you know, the Devondre Campbells and the Rasul Douglases and, you know, people like that of the world. And they traded Devonte Adams Gary, I wasn't a big fan back then of throwing a ton of money at, at, at some of the wide receivers that were on the street. I mean, I'd have to go and look what, what Landry got, but I'm guessing it's a number that we're going to look back in in a, in a couple of years and say, you know, somebody spent way too much money on that guy. You know, Green Bay's plan, obviously, Gary, was, you know, draft three guys, hope that one or two of them hit and, and, and they get them on the cheap. And much like we just got done talking about with dubs, right, that they, they hit on at least one. And, mm-hmm. and I have a hunch we're going to say here in a year or two that they hit on Christian Watson as well. And, and, and we'll see with, you know, with, with Toure, how that, how that ends up working out. They didn't pay much for, for Sammy Watkins, Gary. He's not going to kill him long-term against the cap. It's an, it's a contract they could, could have easily gotten out of without, without any real harm against, against the salary cap. They, they rolled the dice, Gary, you know, he was pretty good in the bears game. 
a week ago we were sitting here talking about uh you well, know, I get deep on that one pass, which was very yeah. impressive. But yeah. yeah, and he had a couple of key early catches when when Green Bay was moving the ball against Chicago in the in that game, Gary. But but yes, I I think I think it was a pretty safe bet if any of us had had made it prior to the start of the season. Sammy Watkins was never going to play in seventeen football games. Um, it just that 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 that's not how his career has has trended, and and you know it it's proven itself out here again in Green Bay now. Can he, you know, can he come back from this hamstring injury in a month, six weeks and, and give them something? Maybe, I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to dump them quite yet. They're going to give him some time, Gary, to figure out if he can get this, this thing healed. But I, I will say this in, in the time he's out, Gary, there's, there's going to be a real chance for some of these young guys to pass him and he may have a hard time getting his job back. You're absolutely right about uh, a salary standpoint for him. I think he's making what, like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. So it's not like they're breaking the bank on the guy. But to me, I, I would have made a conservative effort to go after Landry, like I said before. And I think Landry's got like 13, 14 catches for the Saints, and he's in an offense where he isn't even the number one receiver. I mean, you know, they got two other really good receivers as well, and uh, even Julio Jones. I know people are down in Julio Jones, but my thinking is. If he's good enough for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he, he's good enough for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I just looked up Landry Gary as you talked. You, 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 you know, you're not wrong there. For the longest time, though, so so Landry right now is the, he he can max out on this deal one year six million. Mm-hmm. Uh, the base is only three million though. You know he he's got to he's got to hit some targets and catch numbers and yardage numbers and and touchdown numbers to collect that other three million dollars there. Yeah. Um, you remember though, Gary, he, he did sit on the street a long time and he kind of Landry that is, and he, and he refused to budge. I mean, I, I know his initial thought process was, you know, he was at least a $10 million guy. Yeah, exactly. And, and he, he was kind of holding firm there. W- would he have been a better option than, than Sammy Watkins? Sure. He would have, you know, but green Bay got Watkins to town by what early April, I think is about when, when, the, when they signed him. And, and I, I think Landry was a month or two after that. If, if, if memory serves, you know, so I, I'm sure at some point, Gutekunst and, and, and Gary, I guess in retrospect, he could have brought them both in Gutekunst that is, and yeah. And let, and let them battle for a roster spot. And because you weren't, you weren't paying either one an exorbitant amount of money and there's not any guaranteed money if these guys don't make the football team. So I guess, I guess that would have been an option too, but you know, none of us know behind closed doors, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Landry, Landry didn't no want to come to green Bay. Either. Yeah. Maybe he had no interest in coming yeah. to green Bay. Right. Like so Absolutely. many other players through the years. And, and he was just waiting for a team like new Orleans to throw a little bit of decent money at him. So your, your point is certainly valid. Would he have been a better option than Sammy Watkins? Yes. No question about it. But looking back at the time, maybe that's all good. could get done. Yeah, you know, speaking of value, uh, you know, the Packers went out and upgraded their special teams by spending some money and, and making some roster decisions. And Rob, I, I can't tell you how impressed I am with Packers special teams. Uh, they've had their screw-ups already, but that's not unusual for a lot of teams. But for the most part, they have been really good. Their punt game, their kicking game, their return games, the uh, you know, they're all at, at least, you know, what a B minus maybe B. Yeah. I, I think that's, that that's fair. You know, they still don't have any real explosiveness. I would say Gary in the return mm-hmm. game, you know, a Desmond Howard type of player, but not many people do. 
Those people, Gary, that put together the special teams rankings, which Green Bay has finished 32nd in so many times since the year 2005. I looked at those last week after week two against Chicago, and Green Bay was 14th, Gary. And And I'll bet they're better now. I was going to say, I think after Tampa, they'll probably jump a few spots because they were really good in in the Tampa Bay game. And we've, we've said this time and time again on the podcast. They don't have to be a top 10 special teams. They just they need to be somewhere in the middle. Um, as good as that defense is going to be. And, and I still think the offense will wind up being respectable or solid Gary, when it's all said and done, uh, you know, but you go back to Sunday, right? I mean, O'Donnell has seven punts and he puts five inside the 20 Gary and Keyson Nixon runs down there and he downs one of them at, at the one yard line, the skill set of O'Donnell and the coverage units themselves. And, and let's mention Rudy Ford, who's been just absolutely terrific as a gunner, the Packers don't call them gunners anymore, Gary. They call them flyers, but I'm going to call them gunners anyways because I'm <laughs> yeah. old. Um, I prefer gunners as well. It sounds, yeah, I, no, it sounds I, like I, a guy that's I agree. <laughs> out, 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 out on a mission, you know? <laughs> Gary, guys like that, Rudy Ford, you know, Keyson Nixon, they, they would not have been on the roster in past years because maybe Nixon, because you saw he played a little bit you know, or, or, or he came in and played some slot after Jair got hurt. So he does have some value at corner, but they've got a few guys on the team. Rudy Ford probably being the number one guy there, Gary, who are on the team primarily and almost only for special teams. And Gutekunst would not have built his roster that way in 2019, 2020, 2021. That's just not how they were rolling. But, you know, when, when, when they paid Rich Basaccia more than any special teams coordinator in the league, and, and he told Gutekunst, I need a couple of these guys that are just going to be special teams monsters and special team studs. You know, Gutekunst had to kind of reevaluate his philosophy on the whole thing and, and say, okay, we'll, we'll do it your way. And these guys near the bottom of the roster who are going to stick now for special teams, Gary, they may not necessarily, um, you know, ever see the field this year from scrimmage, but they are on the team more than anything to make sure these special teams are at least respectable. And, and they've been that. And, and then some Gary, you know, you, you look at the coverage units again, the other day against Tampa Bay. I mean, the bucks averaged nine yards on punts, Gary, and these are returns and they averaged 20 on kickoffs. You know, there, there were, there were plenty of games last year. The, the bears game late in the season jumps to mind, you know, where Chicago was in the forties on yeah. kickoffs and, and they had the 97 yard punt return um, in week 14 or whatever that was when they, when they came to, to Lambeau field, um, you know, even Gary, something as simple as Alan, Alan Lazard recovering an onside kick. How many onside kicks have we seen green Bay screw up here uh, dating back to 2014 and the, and the Brandon Bostic thing, you know, they bobbled a couple last year and let them get away. It's, you know, it's, it's never a given, or it hasn't been in, in recent years that the Packers are going to recover an onside kick. So again, I mean, Gary, they're, they're not a plus plus. They don't need to be, they need to be B minus C plus. And they're, they're doing that. And, and Packer nation should rejoice Gary, because Packer nation is used to getting F's in this, in this category year after year after year. And there is nothing about this group to suggest right now that it's going to be, you know, a bottom, a bottom two, three unit again in the national football league. I I think with this first year coordinator, Gary, again, kind of like some of these young rookies we're talking about that group's only going to get better and better. And, and maybe by the time we get to the postseason, you're looking at, you know, a special teams unit, Gary, that actually tilts the field in your favor 
for once because that that has not happened in Green Bay in almost two decades. You know, the uh, one concern I have is Amari Rogers. I agree. There's no doubt that he's improved over a year ago. It's obvious that he's much more confident. He's running with authority. But having said that, remember, uh, I think it was late in the game, uh, he fielded a punt, and there wasn't anybody within 10 to 15 yards of him, and he called for a fair catch. Yeah. And, and it's like, come on. I mean, that, that that's like high school, college stuff. You know, you, you know where the de- defense is, and uh, he opted to, you know, fair catch it. Gary, I know as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, everybody's going to be yelling and screaming for – for Gutekunst to run out there and, and add a wide receiver, I'd add a return man. That, yeah. That's what I do because I still think at the end of the day, Amari Rogers is relatively pedestrian in both of these categories. And they've got him doing kicks and punts. And and I, you know, I think he was 10 and a half on punts the other day, which which is fine, you know, for the most part, Gary, but they blocked it up really well. I'm sure when they go to that tape, they might say, Amari, you could have had 15 yards or a lot of, you know, a lot of guys with that extra gear. Um, I, I just, I, I'm with you, Gary. I just don't see it with Amari Rogers. And obviously the Packers don't when it comes to him playing wide receiver and, and giving him any kind of looks whatsoever from scrimmage. He's, he, he's a return man right now as, as, as the quarterback in green Bay, the quarterback slash semi general manager outlined for the world a couple of weeks ago that Amari Rogers is, is only going to be a return man. And, uh, yeah, Gary, he, he did have a really nice return that was nullified by that penalty. Remember that? He did. Nope. You're right. You know? So, I mean, you, you can see potential, you see flashes, but it, like you said, he's got to do it consistently. Gary, you remember after Ron Wolf wouldn't pay Desmond Howard and, and rightfully so he was kind of a flash in the pan one year wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he left green Bay and he got big money to go to the Raiders uh, you know, in free agency in 97 Wolf kind of countered by adding Roel Preston, um, an under the radar guy who was just an ACE return man. And he didn't have to pay him a whole lot. And Preston showed up and he was a pro bowl return man himself. I mean, these guys are out there, Gary. And again, you've got to, you've, you've got to uncover it. You know, you've got to flip over every stone, uh, and that's what Gutekunst and his people would have to do to, to find one of these guys. Cause obviously everybody wants one, but it, it might be the guy Gary is the 47th man on a roster, you know, the 40th yeah. man on a roster who's not doing a whole lot right now. Are you but saying I, like two, two at will? No, I'm not. <laughs> you, you keep riding that two, two uh, horse Gary all, all, all the way till he runs you into the Crick. <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta keep the faith, Rob. You know, what's a, yep. what's, what's a podcast without bringing up Tutu's name, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I think it's a once a week. And for the college kids out there, Gary, that listen, I think that could be a fun drinking game for them. So every, 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 every time we go to Tutu, <laughs> they have to, they, they, they have, they have to take a sip of whatever it is they have in front of them. But uh, Gary, I, I'm telling you, if, if I'm Brian Gutekunst and, and again, I, I know there's going to be a lot made when we get to late October and it's, you know, five weeks from now and it's trade deadline time. Um, is Green Bay going to add a receiver? Is Green Bay going to add a receiver? Yada, 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 yada. Um, I, I like this roster, Gary, quite a bit. 
I would, I would ride out these young wide receivers. I'd let them get better. I'd let them uh, have their chance when it comes to January, but I would look to add a return man, somebody who can tilt the field for you, Gary, because just back to special teams for a second and do Amari Rogers. I don't think he's that guy. Yeah. And you know what? And I, I don't disagree, except I would go and get both. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they'll have a very good idea about their receiving core you know, later in the season before sure. the deadline. But if it's suspect and, and there's a good veteran receiver out there, and you know, Rogers really likes veteran receivers. Uh, <laughs> uh, did I say Randall Cobb? <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd get both, you know. I, I don't know why you couldn't get both. You know, they, they'd have to make some, you know, move roster moves, but so be it. I mean, their, their window for going after a Super Bowl is very narrow. So you, you got to do it while you can. We were, we were talking about Watson being, did I say Watson, Watkins being hurt uh, earlier in the podcast, but uh, David Bakhtiari, who had been out with a knee injury, came back last week and uh, acquitted himself quite nicely. Uh, he rotated with uh, Yash Neiman, and uh, the, the plan worked uh, pretty darn well. Bakhtiari didn't like the plan, Gary. He, wa- yeah. he wanted to go... He wanted to go every series. He wanted to go every snap. But but I'll tell you what, I, I think that made a lot of sense from Lafleur's standpoint and from the Packers' standpoint. Uh, number one, he hasn't played in almost two years. Number two, you know, it was 100 degrees down there with the heat index, so it was incredibly warm. And, and really just number three, Gary, like you mentioned, you know, Yash is a pretty good football player. Green Bay is, Green Bay is lucky as heck to have, you know, the, the depth they do on that offensive line. And to have a swing tackle like Yash, because, you know, you saw Trent Williams go down the other night in San Francisco uh, when, when they were playing in Denver and the left tackle is as good as any in football and, and their offense just couldn't function mm-hmm. Gary with, with, without him. You know, they obviously had a precipitous drop to that third tackle, you know, green Bay does not have that. In fact, green Bay is so deep, Gary, there's, there's talk now of putting Elton Jenkins back to guard and, you know, letting Yash maybe go over and play some right tackle, but, but Gary, specifically to Bakhtiari again, I, I think he was 35 out of 62 snaps. So a little more than half 55, 56% had green Bay's highest grade, according to pro football focus. I mean, his first game back and, you know, PFF grades, those things and ranks those players. And, you know, according to those guys, uh, Gary, he, you know, he had one heck of a, a, a debut and I, and I watched it closely too. And Bakhtiari, I went back and watched all of his snaps again, and it wasn't quite like the 2020 Bakhtiari, but it was, it was a high level left tackle that, that you were watching out there uh, play football. The thing is, Gary, I said the same thing last year after the Detroit game, when he came back in week yeah. 18, yeah. I thought he was outstanding last year against the lions. He played 27 snaps that day uh, in Detroit um, and then we didn't see him again for what, nine months now till, till we saw him on, on Sunday. So the key with Bakhtiari, you know, we're doing this on a, uh, early on a Tuesday morning. How is that knee going to respond? What is his week going to be like from a practice standpoint? You know, could it, could his knee with, withstand everything that it went through on, on Sunday against uh, that, that defense out in Tampa Bay and, you know, will he be ready to roll and, you know, play maybe a little bit more this week coming up uh, uh, against new England. And if, if all those answers are positive, Gary, I will say this, I mean, a week or two ago when you and I were doing this, I, I wasn't sure if, and when we'd see Bakhtiari again. So this is, this is an incredibly positive development for green Bay. 
you know, the fact he missed the first two games of the regular season, I was, you know, and, and heck, I, I, I think Packer Nation everywhere was starting to really fret about would they ever see David Bakhtiari again. But he yeah. made a really good debut coming back, Gary. You know, not not only from the fact, you know, he, w- he was able to play more than half the snaps, but he played at a really high level. We'll just watch closely now, obviously, to see what happens from here on out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who knows by the time this podcast comes out, he might be uh, sitting out, you know, the next game. I mean, that that knee injury, you, you just don't know. And, and like I said last week, I didn't have any doubts that he would come back. But again, whether he can do it for the duration, you know, that re- remains to be seen. You know, Rob, what would our podcast be if I didn't ask you a trivia question, right? Yes, it's my favorite part. And, and, and you're, you're doing even better than the Packers special teams on this. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I've given the Packers special teams high grades so far this year, but uh, I stumbled across this the other day, and I, I was shocked. I mean, flat-out shocked. Uh, but, of course, you being the uh, wizard that you are, probably know the answer. When you look you're giving, at the – You're giving me too much credit, Gary. Oh, no, no, no. You, you know your stuff. When you look at the Packers salary cap situation, okay? Okay. Obviously, at the top is Rodgers, right? Correct. And uh, you go down the line, uh, you got Bakhtiari second at 13.4 million. Preston Smith is third, 11.4. Clark, 9.9. Who is the Packers' fifth highest paid player against the cap? You're trying to trick me. I, yep. can, I can tell already. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I, I'm, uh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I was shocked. No. So, I mean, so, it's, so I'm just reading between. And your don't voice look and, it up. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not. Trust me. It, it's not, it, it's not going to be a Jair. It's not going to be an Aaron Jones. It's not going to be one of these guys that make 20 million a year long-term over their deal. I'm going to guess Amos, but I might, but it could be Dean Lowry. You looked it up. <laughs> Swear to God, I didn't. <laughs> I look this uh, stuff up every day, though, Gary. So it, it's Dean Lowry. And okay, I was, I, like, I was thinking it was Amos. Okay, yeah, and, and, and Amos is in in that uh, area. But Dean Lowry at eight point one million is the fifth highest paid Packer. He's on the back end of that contract, right? Where it's where it's all come and do now. Is that do I remember that right? Is this the final year of his deal? Yeah, that sounds right. I, I really didn't break it down, but I was like, I don't know who his agent is but I'd recommend that guy (laughs) any player coming out of college now to get Dean Lowry, 8.1 million. Granted he was a fourth round pick and he has gotten better. I thought last year he really took another step up, but uh, that, that, that floored me. Well, and Gary, the reason I, that jumped to mind is I remember through the off season when they were trying to get, you know, down to the right cap numbers, you know, and obviously by trading Devontae Adams, it, it got him under that, you know, out of that uh, predicament that they were in, they, they saved yeah. a ton of money because they didn't have to pay him $30 million or whatever it was going to be to sign him to a long-term deal. Gary, I was almost positive they were going to cut Lowry. I, yeah. remember, I remember thinking they're, they're going to need that $8 million and they're, they're going to, you know, desperately need it because they were, they were substantially over the cap at one point in time, Gary, you know, le- leading into the, you know, the start of the new league year. And as they were trying to find 20, 30, $40 million to get rid of, you know, they, they did it with guys like Zadarius and, and obviously, you know, again, trading Devante and things like that. 
Um, and I think I wrote this at one point, the, the three most likely guys to get cut Gary and I, and I had Dean Lowry at the top of that list. And I just thought they'd reinforce that back through the draft, um, which they obviously did with Devonte Wyatt, but he's, you know, he, he can't get on the field right now. He's not playing over some of these older guys. So no, but you know, Gary in today's world, 8 million for Dean Lowry is, is not a bad deal. That's a really good defensive lineman right there. He's, he's not going to go to pro bowls. He's not going to have double digit sacks, but he's, he's terrific Gary against the run. He's as steady as it gets week in and week out. You know what you're getting. You can't have pro bowlers at every single spot. If you've got six, seven really high level players on your defense, and I would say green Bay does, and you've got another three or four Dean Lowry's boy, that that's going to be one hell of a defense, Gary. I'm going to take it back in time uh, on this one, but you know, from an important standpoint, it reminds me of Lionel Aldridge. I mean, did you ever hear the dude? Oh, yeah. No, I've talked to Lionel. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. I mean, he played opposite of Willie Davis. Okay. Yep. Willie Davis got all the accolades, but Lionel was a pretty solid player. And that reminds me of, of Dean Lowry. I mean, just a real solid player, but I don't know. 8.1 million. If I was the GM, I'd, I'd have some doubts about that. Well, Gary, I think they've got, I looked at the other day I and they had about 9 million to play with. I mean, they have gotten themselves in, in decent cap space, you know, and, and this is something we'll certainly talk a lot more about as again, as we get closer to the trade deadline, middle of the season, um, I think it's right around Halloween, but um, you know, th- they will have the ability Gary to make a couple of moves, um, mm-hmm. find that receiver, find that uh, return man, Gary, a guy like Dean Lowry is not going anywhere. He's huge to that locker room. He, he's one of the better people in that building. He lives in town. He's in there every single day. He's a leader. He should have been a captain when they voted for captains. I, I know a lot was made about Jair and certain guys maybe not being a captain. I, I, I tell you what, they, they, they don't make him any better than Dean Lowry in there, Gary. If that guy was my boss, if I was following that guy into battle, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd be all in on, on following someone like Dean Lowry. He's, he's a terrific locker room guy, Gary. He's better than average as a defensive end. He's, he's just one of those guys you need on your football team. You, you really yeah, do. You do. I, I you get know? it. Like you said, you can't have all pros in every position. Plus the fact he went to Northwestern. Pretty smart guy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Very smart guy. And it seems <laughs> to me that the uh, president of the uh, Green Bay Packers went to the same school. But, <laughs> hey, <laughs> who's keeping track? You know, <laughs> you know Gary, I, I love it. And I know you did this with the Bucks too. You, you love it when they get smart guys in that locker room. And, and Rogers falls under this category too, because, you know, I, I'll sit there sometimes with Dean for 10 minutes and, and, and I learned five things about football that I just never knew before, you know, I mean, and, and when, when you can get guys like that in your building, I mean, I mean, I remember when I was a young reporter, Marco Rivera used to grab my notepad and he'd draw a place for me and, and he'd, you know, and, and, and he'd say, this, this is what I'm doing. This is what, you know, this is what he's supposed to do, right? This is what Flanagan's doing. This is what Cliffy's doing and stuff like that. I mean, and just, just to learn that stuff, Gary, and, and it, it allows you to be such a better writer and a reporter. Um, so when they get smart guys like that in the building, it's, it's a lot of fun. So if you learn five things from Dean Lowry, how many things did Dean Lowry learn from you? <laughs> I'm guessing fewer than five. <laughs> oh, I, I'm taking the over <laughs> on that, buddy. <laughs> so anyways, hey, yeah, one other topic we uh, want to touch on real quickly before we call it a uh, day is the upcoming game against the Patriots. And it was interesting, Rob, after the Packer game on Sunday, the Packers were nine and a half point favorites. 
And just before we started this podcast, uh, I checked again. The Packers are, are now 10 and a half point favorites. Uh, the Patriots aren't going to have their uh, nice young quarterback, Mac Jones, and the much traveled Brian Hoyer will replace him. And uh, I don't know if Brian Hoyer has ever won a game as a starting quarterback. Somebody can look that up, but <laughs> he, he, he certainly isn't going to the Hall of Fame anytime soon. So even though they're favored by 10 and a half points, uh, and they're coming off a huge win in Tampa. Um, you you got to wonder. They, they are going against a Bill Belichick coach team, and uh, that's never easy, no matter the circumstances. Gary, get a load of the next four quarterbacks the Packers are going to play. Brian Hoyer, Daniel Jones, maybe still Joe Flacco. I mean, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, we'll see. And then Carson Wentz. And everybody was gloom and doom again after week one and the loss to, to Minnesota. And I, I mean, there's no givens in the NFL. I get it, but we, you know, be the ne- the next four games is what I'm saying against that level of quarterback. Our green Bay will be, Oh, they're going to be a double digit favorite probably in four in a row. Aren't they at least a touchdown before they go to Buffalo at the end of the month in, in October. So green Bay has got a, a chance here, Gary, to get really healthy record wise in, in the next month. Ten and a half. I, I would have thought, you know, going from Jones to Hoyer, Gary, it would have moved even more than that. And maybe it will here as as the week plays itself out. You know, New England's pretty devoid of real weapons on offense, Gary. It's not a great group. And and they took some hits in free agency on on that defense. And Belichick's still trying to piece that thing together to have it look like a, a traditional, normal New England defense which is always going to put them in the top five of the league. They're not there this year. They're still struggling to find themselves. Now, Now, having said that, there's there's no greater defensive mastermind in the history of this sport than Bill Belichick. And in Green Bay, the last thing the Packers have done, Gary, is set the world on fire offensively, like we touched on. They're 27th in points right now at, at 16 a game. But I do think, Gary, that Green Bay's got more than enough in the in the tank um, and again, they, the defense could set them up with short fields where, where this turns into a game. And Gary, if Green Bay gets up two scores early, if it's 13 nothing, you know, 14-3, something like that, and they make, they make New England one-dimensional and Hoyer's got to whip the ball all over the yard, that, that, that's going to be trouble, Gary, for New England. And that, and that could be a game then that gets, gets away. New England's got to control the ball, the pace. And they do have a trio of pretty good running backs there not for fantasy owners because Belichick drives those guys nuts because he gives them all nine yeah. carries a game. Yeah. But the, but all three of those guys are pretty good running backs in, in general, Gary. If the Patriots can do what the Bears did on the ground, obviously Green Bay shored that up against Tampa Bay and held Fournette, I think, to 35 rushing yards the other day and less than three yards a carry. Uh, but if New England, Gary, can run the ball, they'll stick around. And, and, the, and, you know, they, they want the ball 35 minutes in this football game and to keep it away from Rodgers. But if they get down early, Gary, and, and Hoyer has to whip it around to, to those average wide receivers and, yeah. and Green Bay's corners like Rasul can start jumping routes and gambling, it, it's going to be a long day for Belichick. They got to shut down Hunter Henry. That's the key to the game. That's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's my guy. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the fact Good that player. I, I'm telling you, Rob, I, I'm getting a little concerned about Savage. You know, I, I saw some real issues last season, and I, I thought he played okay in the first couple of games. But down Tampa, there are times where he just didn't play well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but he's, he's a very, very talented player. But 
he, 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 at least in my opinion, hasn't played up to his capabilities. No, you know, Gary, you think of that, that what a remarkable draft class he's part of, right? It went, it yeah. went John Gary, it went him and it went Elton Jenkins and all those guys are coming up on extensions. Right. And, and they're going to, they're going to have to pay Rashawn Gary. They're going to have Elton Jenkins is probably their left tackle of the future. They're going to have to pay him, you know, and is there enough money left over for Savage? I, I doubt it. I mean, he might be the guy that gets pinched in that whole deal. Gary, when it, when it, when it's all said and done, we've talked about it before on, on the show, Gary, that this is a huge year for him because yeah. he, he has not taken that jump. You would expect, you know, some of these young safeties that, that, that do take those leaps. Um, and here he is now in, in year four. I mean, he's, he's been part of Gary, probably what 60 football games at this point in his, in, in his career. And he just hasn't made that jump where you're talking about him as an all pro. And I, obviously I think that's what, what green Bay envisioned. He's not a bad player, Gary. He's just, not no, a, no, not at all, and, but you expect more, you know? Yeah. You, you would expect more. I mean, I think without question, Amos is the better safety of the two, the problem with Amos, you know, he's in, what is he on year eight now? I think Gary, you know, so do you throw a third contract at him? Probably not because age starts to creep in and become an issue there, but you don't have, you don't want to rebuild that safety position entirely. So I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure as the Packer brass sits around and, and tries to, you know, configure a roster and predict their roster for future years. Safety is a real, a real tricky one, Gary, because do you invest heavily in, in Savage? Um, he's not as good as Amos, but Amos is older. Do you pay the older guy or do you pay the younger guy with some promise? But those are, those are questions above our pay grade right now, Gary. That's for sure. Rob, great show. Great job. Thank you as usual for your stellar efforts. I think stellar and scintillating are my two favorite words. Yeah, I, I think so too. So that again, again, those, they say those, it those, enough, those, you know. Those those could be uh, part of a fun game for college kids. Exactly. So, well, take care, <laughs> my friend, and uh, thank you to all our loyal listeners. Take care, and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whipple and WhipplesPressBox.com. <laughs>